0: And we're,
1: we're on. I don't even know what number we're on anymore. I don't know. I've Lost count, I think. I think we probably started the 20s. podcast off with of yeah, this. Somewhere in the 20s. But Jen said we have to immediately jump into the podcast. We can no longer do sports talk. No
0: longer sports talk? Okay, then we are getting
1: right into it. Because I was <laughs> asking my sister, like, you know, some ideas for podcast ideas or whatever, because I was kind of, and it, it was, because this morning I was kind of thinking about it and I thought about injury prevention and mm-hmm. she was like, I thought about, and then she kind of said it and I was like, okay, well, let's we'll talk about that. And Jennifer was standing right there and she goes, well... That's fine, but you can't sit there and talk for 15 minutes about sports. We're not doing – I don't want to listen to all that. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll jump right, <laughs> Get in, right into, the, into right. the podcast today. Uh, so just like we said there, the main topic of discussion is going to be injury prevention, right? And I, that always – that word is kind of like a uh, like a grain of salt. Like there's
0: no way to 100% bulletproof yourself like, from injury. You can try really hard, but, I mean, if it's going to happen, it's just going to happen. Yeah, like. a, I think people hear that word
1: like, okay, I'm doing injury prevention and if I'm going to do injury prevention stuff or protocols, whatever it may be, that I just won't get injured because of that. That's, that's that's not, yeah, it's not 100% accurate. There are some things that you can do to make yourself more resilient and less vulnerable to injury, but you can never 100% make yourself... Just get, guarantee it, right? Guarantee no injury is going to happen, right? And I really don't know how I really want to guide this discussion because like there's... I guess maybe like the first thing is like maybe how or why we get injured might be a better yeah. way to kinda of go, go about that. Out. Yeah, and like I think maybe like some reasons as to why people get injured. Uh which you know, for those who are like, you know, dough, you're doing probably something you're not supposed to be doing, which that could be a part of it. Um so Obviously, the, the, first, the first thing that comes to my mind is somebody who just moves poorly in general. That like poor movement quality. Yeah, poor movement and quality, right? Like you're probably your, – your, your first line of defense to anything when it comes to injury prevention is just moving well, mm-hmm. right? And so I think a lot of people, they overlook that fact sometimes of I just want to get the work done or I'm just trying to grind the workout. I'm just trying to finish the 20-minute AMRA. Right yeah, right? in the process of doing that, that I'm going to let my form – Suffer. want you to talk about this before, but I'm going to let my form suffer to just get it done, right? And obviously, when that does happen, then that's how usually injury can occur at this point in time. Now, what that injury can look like is obviously, is obviously depending on the person. That could be more of a, it could be an actual like, injury right, right at the moment you know exactly okay i'm, I'm hurt like you know then and there like right? a, like some popped like a pop or, or yeah, whatever Feel like a burn like. or it could be more just like an inflammation injury of like an over usage injury if you're constantly always squatting with your knees forward and you have an achy knees then you know obviously it's a more of a movement pattern quality thing now if you're trying to do something like a bar muscle-up right and you are not moving well with quality, and all of a sudden you hear you have a snap happen because you're chicken eat your bar musty yeah. right? That's also a fact that you're not moving well with quality, right? And that's why we talked about a whole entire podcast about movement quality in general, right? But it's always something that's a reoccurring theme that we talk
0: about is moving well, moving well, moving well. Well, I feel like that's a super important part, though. Like, like that's that's something like you kind of saying earlier. Like, you look past it, but another thing is like I feel like some people just don't realize how bad they move. Is that is that a good way to word that, I guess?
1: I, yeah, sometimes like you just don't know what you don't know. Um, and that's all say our responsibility as well as a coach um, is to help out movement quality. I think sometimes to a degree people can get so wrapped up into their A, performance or B, aesthetics that they're like well, form doesn't really matter all mm-hmm. Like reform doesn't matter. Like I don't really care. Like I'm, I'm just trying to look better, right? I don't care. Like my squat's not good or whatever it may be. But my argument to that would be would be the fact that if that's the case, if you're trying to look better, A you would probably get better sex from better get better quality range of motion. Mm-hmm. And B, you will be able to ultimately for you to look better is you have to be able to do this for a long period of time. Longevity, right? Longevity. Like I had somebody come in the other day ask me, you know, like, hey, what am I do like I'm doing like I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Do you feel like that's good for the goals I'm looking for? Right? And it's a little bit more aesthetic based. I'm like, yeah, like you're doing everything. You're tracking nutrition. You're working out four to five times a week. You're doing all the things that you need to be doing. Now you just have to do that for months and months and months and years. Yeah, and years. Now it's time right? to just
0: kind of like keep the ball rolling. Yeah, right? and that's the
1: hardest part. And for you to consistently keep coming back in the gym and working out at a high intensity and putting forth good effort, your body has to hold up. And I think sometimes people can overlook that because of the fact that it's such a, they're looking more for like these other goals, but they kind of forget about okay for me to. to for me to get to these goals, I have to be able to do X, Y, and Z, and moving well is one of those mm-hmm. things. So, because I need to be in the gym consistently for months and months and months and years and years, and years and years to achieve these aesthetic goals that I'm after, even performance goals that I'm after. And so movement quality is, is such a big factor, and I think sometimes we can lose sight of that, like we talked about before, and cross this, especially because of the fact that we get caught racing the clock, or racing somebody else or trying to beat our old times, and we can cut corners in the process of doing that. Um, And ultimately, at the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, you know, you got to look at the long run of this and, like, you know, this time next year, the year after that, the year after that. And, like, I have to. And even, like, I've been doing this for 10 plus years, and that's still something I'm
0: always still working on is is movement quality. That doesn't ever go away, right? You get more and more better. You don't want to be that guy in the class that just is just moving everything around and looking not the best, but you're, you're moving through the workout, yeah. but you're not really looking that great, right? Like yeah. you want to be able to like, people to look at you and be like, okay, that dude yeah. moves well, right? Yeah. And it takes time, but it's also something you have to consciously
1: think about. All You have time to work on it. Yeah. And, and you know, that's part of our job as well. And also what's on your shoulders, because of the fact you are in a group class, it's not a one-on-one setting, that it also is your responsibility as an athlete to be cognitive of how you're moving and being aware of how you're moving and even ask some questions at times. And because we're in a class of 15 people, you know, you can't have your eyes on that one individual person for, you know, the whole entire workout. They, like, you give you get, you know, you get, we'll come around to you every so often, but, the, you know, to the, the double check you. But there's still a good portion of that workout that we're not physically seeing That's what I'm the saying, whole like,
0: time. I kind of find that and at least in my opinion, like, I see a lot of people that move very well while you're near them or while you're watching mm-hmm. them, but then as soon as you turn the corner and you go to the other side of the room, they yeah. end up going back to what they're doing, right? Exactly. Um, and so that's kind of a big part of it. Um, and then also, like I feel like a lot of people get like, three quarters of the way through the workout moving very well, and then it's like the last we'll the fall- two minutes will we'll start falling off and they just kind of say, screw it, I'm just going to go ahead and finish this workout, right?
1: Yeah. And so I feel like that's, pro- that's your number one, your easiest six that you can do is automatically just moving better Mm -hmm. in general. Right. From, from there, like that would be step number one. Step number two is there's, there's, there's a lot of things like that can determine an injury, right? Like, and probably one thing you have to monitor to degree is how much volume you're including in a week. Mm -hmm. So one common thing I see with more people who are more experienced and especially in our field, is that like okay well i want to get better at running right let's say let's use an example so they go from just doing the typical gym workout that we do you know and that can range for how much mileage we're going to do in a week you know it could be as little as a mile in a week upwards or like maybe three miles in a week as human volume of running they do in a week and they're going to do the classwork but that they're going to layer in more running to get better at running and they go from like one to three miles a week now running like nine ten twelve miles in a yeah. week. That right and that's be too before. much volume way too quickly right? And you can apply this to anything, right? Like, also, okay, I want to get better pull-ups, right? So also now they're doing pull-ups four times a week and doing all these, these lats and bicep exercises, things like that. And they're learning too much volume way too quickly. Um, and because of the fact you're putting too much stress on the body, it doesn't have time to acclimate to that volume over a period of time. And so you get like these quick injuries or injuries that happen over a period of time because you're layering too much volume Too rapidly, You're not letting your body adapt to that volume, Mm -hmm. right? So it's being smart about how much volume you're layering on. And even so, you could use that same concept of maybe you're doing a certain amount of volume currently, but other life factors are starting to come up that are going to affect you in overdoing too much stress in the body, which will then also cause injury.
0: Like sleep or something? Yeah.
1: So let's say, for instance, like you have a newborn baby at home. And your getting your quality of sleep has rapidly declined over the past you know couple months, but yet you're still trying to keep up the same workout volume and your work schedule staying the same. Nothing's really changing, and you're you're basically cut your sleep down by let's like say thirty percent in a week. Well, that's also a cause for injury. Now the body can't recover from session session like it used to before, right? And so that's also a problem. There is that that can also cause injury. So you do have to have like this this balancing act of knowing your different stressors in your life, right? And you have to adjust for that, right? Or if all of a sudden now I'm working more hours at work, right? Or I'm physically doing more physical labor at work, whatever it may be, right? All these factors are going to cause more stress in the bike. Because basically if you think like on a like, a, like a graph so to speak, you know, you have this line that goes across of like, okay, this is where my barrier of injury is. And you have you know sleep, you have work, you have family life, you have your workouts, and those all stack on top of each other, right? And if all of that stuff ends up overstacking past that injury intervention line, also that's how injuries to happen, right. right? But so if one of those blocks increases in size, where I'm getting more stress at work, or I'm getting less sleep, things like that, where that's getting an increased block, that's how I'm going to tip over into injury, right? So those are very simple cases of how injuries happening where nothing's really changing, so to speak. But other than like things outside the gym are changing that can cause injury. And like we also talked about as well, or if you're increasing that work block, of workout block where I'm increasing the volume of time that I'm working out, but I'm doing it at a too rapid rate to where my body can't do that, that's also a cause for injury. So you have to be smart about how much volume you're layering in over a period of time as well because too much volume too quickly is a bad thing as well. It's a bad recipe, right? right? It's kind of like having somebody come in you know, usually, off the you haven't, say they haven't worked out in 20 years, and all of a sudden, they're coming to work out, you know, six days a week. That might less too much volume for the body too quickly. We're just saying, okay, let's try to accumulate three times a week to start off. And with, then build to the four and five. And then five. build four and five over a period of time and do it in a smart way. That, that way, you can actually sustain this in the long run. Uh, so, that's probably scenario number two. Um, and then, I guess, getting more into, like, the weeds of these things here now would be, like... A you know, obviously, what are some injury prevention? prevention protocols, right? So being more... The the best way, of best method is always to be proactive and not reactive, mm-hmm. right? Because more often than not, as athletes, we usually are too late to the game. Yeah. Like, like we're... About the time injury. you start to feel something happening, exactly. like it's already too far gone. Right. You've already... You have these injuries start popping up, these little nagging things going on. And then that's when you usually want to work on it, right? Compared to... The other preventative stuff that you could have done beforehand to help even do this in the first place so being reactive instead of being or being yeah proactive instead of being reactive mm-hmm. so to speak uh will be your best bet is you know and those are things that you can do to be proactive right it's working on those other things uh that we just talked about but also being proactive in doing these not so glamorous boring exercises that can like your accessory works, accessory work and things your like that, that can go with, yeah. Yeah. um and your mobility work and things like that so i think obviously what people most, their most go-to thing for most people when they think about injury prevention is like stretching, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and we've done like a whole podcast like on the stretching thing. Uh, and and that's a factor. Uh, Obviously, you can, because the fact that you're having, like you have mobility restrictions of some kind kind of goes back to the first part of like moving well where if you have mobility restrictions, because the mobility restrictions that you're having is affecting your movement quality, which then can lead to some type of injury to happen, right? So, you know, let's say maybe I have bad overhead positioning and I have a tendency to overextend my spine every time I'm doing overhead pressing. And I have like this swing in my, upper, my lower back every time I'm pressing, right? Because of the fact that I'm overextended to help get the bar overhead. Well, that's a fact that you're not mobile enough in those positions to get the bar in a good, proper position to move well, you know, or maybe I have really bad ankle mobility, and every time I squat, I have a tendency for my chest to fall forward to get depth and doing so. My back lights up because I'm, I'm squatting because I have bad ankle mm-hmm. mobility, right? Those are all factors, um, and so I think, and, then, and there's a fine line of doing, like now we have to be realistic here as well. Like not everybody's got hours on hours, hours to, spend, right? to spend on, you know, exercising and things like that. Right. But you know, it, it's more so pinpointing. It's not saying that like, you got to do a full body mobility routine, like for an hour a day. I feel like you can right? find 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, I think 10 to 15 minutes for most starting time like, is spending it or even bare minimum, like three to four minutes yeah. on like one, body part. like one particular body part, especially something, you know, for sure that's like you're lagging right? Or let's say maybe I have really tight hamstrings, right? And because, because my hamstrings are so tight that deadlifting becomes an issue that the only way for me to grab the bar from the floor, I have to somewhere around my spine to pick the bar from the floor, whatever it may be. Um, you know, you're all different kinds of scenarios that can happen there. Um, but more likely most people know like one to two body parts of themselves. Most that people are, know. They know, okay, this particular body part is, is extremely tight on me. Um, and, and spinning, the biggest thing is spinning like a the daily amount of time to do it. I was listening to the podcast the other day. They were talking about you know different scientific, like actual scientific research on stretching and mobility. And they said you know, the bare minimum amount that you have to do on one particular body part to see actual progress is a minimum of thirty seconds. The thing it has to be done at least a minimum of five times a week. Five times a week, thirty seconds. Thirty, 30 seconds. seconds. At least thirty seconds. But you're talking only one minute. Yeah. Per body part, right? So if I'm doing my ankles, right, I do thirty seconds per ankle, five times a week, right? Which isn't a a crazy amount, to be honest. You're talking 60 seconds a day. That's all you're It, really it doesn't sound like that much. It doesn't right? sound like that whole much, right? Um, I think even upwards, like, one minute, three times a week was still showing to proven to even have some some effects, right? But the biggest thing is it, it's the consistency factor. Is, is the, that's I what we you talk can't about. can't just do it once a week. Well, and that's night, always down to on anything. It's like the consistency of how, how often you're doing it. And that's obviously the problem with a lot of people is that we're not consistent enough with doing things to see the, the effects that we want. And so I just had a discussion the other day with somebody with a nutrition client I was working with. And, you know, one of the things we're trying to work on is them drinking more water. And I was like, just the biggest, the best thing you can do about doing that is already tacked it onto a habit you're already doing, right? So if you're already physically eating a meal, have a bottle of water with you. You have to drink that whole bottle of water by the time you finish the meal. Right, include that. Right, like don't make it to where like you have to like... Drink water now while I'm sitting at my desk, right? And I never drink water while I'm sitting at my desk. It's a whole new habit you're trying to perform. Mm-hmm. And it's great if you can do that, but more often than not, that's a really hard thing to transition to. So just drink more water by every time you're sitting down and eating a meal, which you're eating roughly five times a day. You know, we're trying to drink X amount of ounce of water in a day. Well, divide that out by five, put that into a bottle of water, and you have to drink it every time you physically eat a meal, right? Yeah. You're already eating it, so you might as well just tack, just tack that one little thing onto it. That makes it a whole lot more simple. And the same thing with your mobility protocols, right? That could be done like- okay, okay. you could relate that to like TV shows or whatever. TV shows, yeah. Watching or whatever. Most is. people have some type of somewhat nighttime routine they have, right? And it's just like tacking that onto that nighttime routine of, you know, if I'm going to sit down and watch TV, right? Like before I turn on the TV show, I have to do my 60 seconds or ankle mobility per side and then I can watch a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's simple things like that that go really long ways. Um, you don't have to overdo it. I think sometimes we have a tendency, and I'm guilty of this, of you're trying to do too much. And when the process, if you do too much, you have a hard time sticking with Sticks. it. If you're, if you're trying to do too much at one time, right? Instead of saying, okay, I need to do this one thing that Stick is the to that biggest thing priority. You can, it, yeah, like right? what's this one thing I need, really need to prioritize? Like that one simple mobility thing I need to do and just focus on that one thing, right? And that'll go... A long ways. Uh, and then you can slowly layer in more and more over time if you, if you can stick with it, right? Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously you could take it further and do more mobility if you have time or if you want to stack on more, that's fine. But that is a way to obviously help out with some injury prevention, is because that basically correlates with the first part is being able to move better, so mm-hmm. to speak. Now, which I think we talked about this a little bit on the mobility podcast as well is it's one thing to have mobility and it's one thing to have strength in that range like be stable in that position right? yeah and that's also another fact that we have now this is where this becomes a little more nuanced stuff uh so because of the fact that you know just because you create better range of motion doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get injured as well i feel like this is a big key though well, I, don't, I think this is one thing a lot of people overlook yeah. is the fact, okay, like, all right, cool, I'm creating more space for my body to move now. I'm going to move better, which that automatically makes me more bulletproof. And that's kind of like a, a true false statement. Yes, like, no. It could be for some people and it could not be. Just because and it's – just you, I, mean, I mean, I've seen it before in people. Just because you're mobile doesn't mean you don't get injured. For sure. Right? I've seen plenty of people. I mean, look at you. I mean, you had – I have really, one, good some, mobility, really good right? shoulder mobility, but yeah, you got injured yeah, shoulders. Both shoulders are hurt. Yeah, exactly. Same right? deal. And so, just because you have a mobile joint doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a bulletproof joint. The issue is a lot of times is that we we think about like so you're allowing the the joint or the muscle to move through more range of motion, but the thing is, is like, is it stable through that range yeah. of motion? Does it have the strength in that range? And so. That's where we get into like more nuanced stuff of doing things like for instance like isometric holds or like Isometric holds or isolation work in general. Um, you know, doing like for instance, like you're doing like shoulder stuff, right? Like a lot of times if you lack, you know, internal external rotation, we're like doing dumbbell external rotations, doing prone presses from the floor, right? Where you're like before you go do whatever press you're able to do. Right, so, so doing like prone press floor, your belly's on the ground. Like we'll do that stuff in the warm a lot of times, right? But you know, that is making, forcing you to use your upper back and things like that to stabilize and get the body warm and, and, and things of that nature, right? There's, there's hundreds of different those exercises, right? You can probably YouTube a lot of them and find things that you could probably do on your own if you really wanted to. Um, like you got the knees or toes guy and, mm-hmm. and all different things. YouTube kinds is of, like, got got a, six yeah, six yeah, tons like, of resources best you, could resource find. you could probably do. Right, but the, the, the issue with those things is that they're not very flashy, they're not very fun, yeah. they're very boring, and it's not like you're going to get like, like sit like oh, massive get a great yeah right. massive gains <laughs> from doing that right like you don't really see like these massive improvements from these exercises and that's why a lot of people don't do them um but they they do have their place mm-hmm. on our on our regular schedule right and so but that's very individualized as to what that looks like um and so and it just depends on you as a, as a person um but like I said before, it's it's kind of those things of how much time can you be willing to spend in the day and most people can't spend hours upon hours in the gym. They have other life priorities and it's just not that crazy important to them to do all that stuff. And so I think just if you go back to the beginning from step one up to this point in time, if you just do those simple factors, besides even doing the other little accessory work stuff, you should be pretty damn good off. Yeah. Um, now one thing I would urge people to do is if you do have this, you know, let's say you have this little acute injury going on, or maybe that doing these a little extra accessory works, stuff like that can extremely help out. Very, very beneficial. Um, Because everybody's a little different on what they're more prone to. Um, You know, some people are just prone to having tighter internal rotation on their shoulders. Some people are more prone to have tighter hips. It's just in, in lifestyle factors, all these different things play a part in that. And so, if you find yourself hey this is kind of nagging it won't really go away i'm, I'm stretching and I'm, I'm, everything's staying fine but yet i'm still having these nagging injuries this would probably be a, a great step to attacking for most people it's not like an overbearing amount of time that you have to do usually people who are programmed hurricane x4 who are doing stuff like that like shoulder bulletproofing or back stuff or maybe it's like twice a week yeah like 10 to 15 minutes right like you it's like two days and let's just yeah and it's not like, like overbearing that. exercise it's not like you can do it before or after your workout. It's not like it's really taxing movements. They're very um, simplistic overall, not very complicated movements, and but it doesn't really tax you. So it's not like even if you're dead after a workout, right? It's not like it's, not take, still it it's not take a whole of lot of energy terrible, right? out of you to do it, right? And so it, that's also a way to go about doing it. Um, and then really kind of one of the, the the last factors here to a degree is which is kind of over. So we you know talked about sleep and things like that. That's... And sleep's a humongous factor. Like sleep's a big one, a big, big one, right? Um, I think sometimes we overlook that factor, but I mean, that's as well as pretty, pretty much as like recovering. Yeah, I mean we don't day, right? we don't build in the gym. Yeah. We, we tear ourselves in the gym. We build outside the gym. And one, your your best recovery protocol is sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we overlook that factor, like I said. But another other little factors is obviously nutrition and, and hydration are other key factors, right? If you're constantly eating. Mm-hmm processed foods all the time and, and you know, high, high sugar diets and things like that, then those are also causes of like inflammation and, and things of that in the joint. And a lot of times you can, it can go a long ways by just adopting more of a whole food protocol and eating in proper portions and obviously drinking plenty of water throughout the day and whatnot. And those are kind of little caveats that you should be doing already. Yeah. But those are also little
0: side notes to put, to kind of put on top of that. Um, I feel like that one's another big one though, that people probably look like look over like yeah. like I mean I feel like eating well and drinking enough water makes a huge difference in just like your morale like how you feel throughout your day well yeah and that's just and that leads to like enjoy. your workouts like now you're not feeling as lazy or as tired during your workout like yeah. you feel good you have the energy to work out um, I think that plays a pretty big role right there yeah for sure
1: um, kind of like you said there like you know having that an energy and body awareness or having more energy and, and being just more aware of why you're working out, right? Can help save you from bad bad positions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But also, like we talk about the inflammation causes and things like that in the joints. And I think so like that's kinda like a little caveat. I'm not gonna go into, like into crazy detail about that, because we talk about nutrition mm-hmm. a lot, right? And that's just another pro to taking care of your nutrition, your hydration, your sleep. And I guess kinda like the last the last thing would be it's just being in And I guess it kind of, once again, kind of comes down to the movement quality aspect of it all, Um, is just the fact of like being smart and being intelligent about your training in general. Where, you know, let's say you're coming to class, right, and and let's say you normally always use this particular. Let's say I'm always doing blue, Mm -hmm. right. Well, let's say this workout has like deadlifts and I'm just feeling good that day. I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna go brown. Yeah. Right. And I'm gonna go like super, like super the weight. Right. Like not being intelligent and no, about man, that's a, a weakness. Like how much intensity you're throwing into your workouts. Yeah. And that's a that's another. I mean, and this being an intelligent athlete in general, and that's and that comes with part of us is like interacting with you as an athlete. You know, and, and being smart about you know how much intensity you're layering in, how much loading you're layering in for a period of time, and things like that. You're not making these humongous jumps in weight loadings, and or if your your forms not where it needs to be but yet you just keep slapping on more weight slapping on more weight slapping on more weight onto the barbell just because it's i'm just trying to get heavier and i'm trying to get stronger because of it uh it's those are all factors about or like just trying to do, just trying to do a bar muscle even though i'm not ready to do one and just trying to throw my body over the bar and trigger yeah. myself over uh those are those are all factors right and and there's definitely some movements that are definitely higher risk and low risk you know there's a lot higher chance of probably gonna hurt yourself trying to do like a squat snatch compared to doing a burpee burpee right like you have you have definitely higher risk movements than others right and that's why you know in in crossfit you have to be smart about what you're doing because you can definitely because we do have high skill movements in in if you're following the level of system and the way we're programming things appropriately right and you're earning to be able to do more intensity and more movements down the road it can be a very safe protocol but the, the the I guess the really the underlying factor what it comes down to is kind of an ego check. Yeah. Of like being smart, like pushing yourself, right, and and trying to strive for better, but also no reining yourself into a degree of saying, Okay, well, I know I'm I'm stretching my limits slightly, but I'm not overstepping mm-hmm. them, right? Where I'm I'm gonna challenge myself and whatnot, like Let's say maybe I'm like, okay, I want to maybe try to do some more of the purple loading workouts, right? I'm always doing blue. I'd like to get a little stronger. I'm trying to do some of the purple thing is like we usually tell people like, look, try purple, but maybe just decrease the volume of the, of the, of the reps. Of the reps. right? like 24, do 18, right? Exactly. Or like, you know, even yesterday's workout, which at the time we're doing, is that 25-minute AMRAP for with the dumbbell snatches and the box jump mm-hmm. overs? To say maybe you want to try. Okay, we try to do a thirty-pound dumbbell for the first time, and say, okay, look, let's maybe do the first two or three rounds with the thirty because you're trying trying to get used to the dumbbell, and then we can transition down to twenty-five. Twenty-five to go back down to your twenty-five. Right? Exactly, whatever it might be. So those are
0: all different kinds of options. To do but you have to be smart Mm -hmm. about how you're going to do that that's kind of like you said like even though you could this let's say it's monday and you just feel phenomenal and the workout's got deadlifts Mm -hmm. and you know deadlifts is a kind of a weaker movement for you maybe you know that you're not normally going that heavy and you just know you feel amazing that day so Mm -hmm. you go heavy probably shouldn't right like you probably should just stay where you are even though you're feeling amazing and it's monday you're like Brain it in, like make sure you're still doing your colors. And if you yeah. want to go a little heavier, go a little heavier, but don't make that huge jump from like you were saying, like from blue to like black or blue to brown, right? Yeah. And so
1: I will say that's a lot of information um, and we're kind of getting like a little bit more in the finer details of that kind of stuff, but really it comes down to, you know, checking the ego, move well with good movement quality mm-hmm. and work on some slight mobility, things like that here and there. And and take your nutrition and hydration, that could go a really long way. So if you happen to have a you know, particular acute injury of some kind, maybe that involves you, maybe if some more time, a little extra work working on that to help out those causes. And that kind of sums it all up in, into one big bow, really, to, mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, and I guess the last point that kind of overcrosses that, what kind of talked about at the end of the podcast, is that there's, with any physical activity comes a risk of injury, injury anything you do. And I think sometimes people can Forget that just anytime that you're stressing the body, you're putting the body under fatigue, that there's always going to be risk there. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But it's just being smart, being like intelligent, say, being proactive, right? Being proactive and taking care of the stuff on the back end and just being consciously aware of how you're moving goes a really long ways. So, uh, hopefully, that helped you guys out. You open up your eyes. Uh, if you got anything, got any questions or anything like that, that you obviously. Have upon, upon this podcast that we didn't necessarily talk about, you know, or something we didn't dive into detail enough. Definitely ask me or Kale, and we'll love, love to talk to you guys more about it. And if you guys got any more podcast ideas, we we'll would always love to hear them
0: as well. Shoot sure, just some ideas, And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See y'all later.